What were Jesus' last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you say yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for. Together, let's explore what business, education, organizational leadership, popes, saints, and scriptures say about fulfilling the Great Commission. Folks, we'd like you to start by thinking of one of your favorite companies or maybe a product you regularly purchase. Right? Maybe it's that coffee drink from your favorite barista. For me, I think of Chipotle and picking up burritos. They don't have them where I live now, but back in Orlando, you could find a Chipotle basically anywhere. So think about that product, and as you think about it, what is it about that experience that makes you keep coming back? You have tons of options, whether it be a sandwich, a coffee drink, or whatever. Tons of options, yet you keep going back to that product. What is it? Well, Dan and I would like to argue or propose that it is because of the experience you are having, and this is a term in the business world called customer experience. Yes, companies, if they're doing this right, are thinking about every single interaction they have with you, from when you first find out about their product, to when you inquire for more information, to when you visit the store, till after the visit when they follow up with emails or text messages or whatever they're sending you to make sure there's consistency in all of that. And folks, as the church, we need to think about that as well. And Dan and I have coined this as flock experience, thinking about every interaction we have with the people that we are trying to reach. So Dan, if you don't mind, you could put the image up there and I'll kind of walk us through flock experience. Very simplified, but first step one is lock on to the lost sheep. Who are you trying to reach? There's literally billions of people you could be trying to reach with the gospel. But you've got to focus on one target group. In business, this is called market segmentation. But you've got to think about one group you're going after. Maybe it's youth. Maybe it's seniors. I don't know. Number two, you've got to build the right experience for that group. Not for what's easy for you, but for what's going to reach them. And then third, you've got to maintain the relationship in the right way. I think if you look at these steps, you're going to realize the company you really like, they're doing this to you for your money. <laughs> but we're proposing do this for the flock you're trying to reach for their souls. Am I right, Dan? So, you know, why do you think this framework is so relevant to ministry today, especially ministry in the United States? So one clear thing is that we live in a consumer-minded world where people have been accustomed, you could say trained, to experience or to expect a certain experience no matter where they're going. So we're we're so inundated and bombarded with advertisements and every st every shop or store that we step into, they're catering to us to try to make us have such a positive experience that we will come back. So from the things we smell to the colors we see, Almost everything is calculated by really smart people to make us fall in love with those organizations so that we come back. So fast food restaurants almost all have, not all, but like all the burger joints are red and yellow because those, col those colors are most uh, associated with kind of arousing feelers of feelings of hunger and desire. And banks either are going to be white and green or have some kind of blue in there, like red, white, and blue. So you can probably just go through all of the images of banks in your mind. And a lot of them, not all, but a lot of them have those, those same colors. And they've rebranded 
accordingly to take advantage of that. Those things that you can't even control that, that make you decide whether you like something or not. And so just recognizing this is something we can take advantage of. It's not manipulation, uh, but we recognize people expect a certain experience when they come to us or they're going to leave asking, well, why, like, how come I can go to, to, you know, my favorite fast food restaurant and I get treated so well, but when I come to the church, a place that should be full of charity, uh, you know, I, I'm not getting that. And so this yeah. is just the, the recognizing the reality that people want to be treated well. And that's, that's kind of a core component of the gospel anyway. And, and it's not just, you know, being nice to people. That's not what we're talking about, but it's, it's greeting them with the joy of the Lord and taking that same approach of, I, I want them to experience the love of Christ, not just in that personal reaction, but in the relationship or the interaction they have with every aspect of becoming a part of our community. You're so right, Dan. So, you know, if you study marketing and I remember taking some marketing classes, then you start to learn that everything from the lighting on the produce at the grocery store to the scent to which shelf the products are on. You ever notice that stuff they want kids to buy is at a shelf that's at their eye level? You know, the point is none of these things are happening by accident. You don't keep returning to Chipotle or wherever by accident. They've been planning very well based on understanding you and your needs and what you want. And that's really how we should be in the church. We should know our sheep so well. You know, Pope Francis even said that we need to smell like the sheep, right? So we should know our sheep so well that we can build the right experience for them. And this, every interaction matters. And you think about when you get to a restaurant, you interact with the host or the hostess, you know, you think about even a parish, the first phone call, who is on the other line? What does it sound like when they answer the phone? Every single interaction is is really going to matter. So, um, Dan, how about we go through each of these layers? And another thing I like about uh, the framework here is it looks almost like an arrowhead as well. So you want to start really focused. Let's talk about locking on to lost sheep. Sounds Dan, I'll give you a second to put we, your sweater in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. So before we do that, let's also um, ask and invite people. If you are enjoying the show, thank you very much for your time. It's really a joy for us to continue doing this. And uh, it's been so much fun to see how many people have continued to listen and stuck with us and then how many people are engaging with us on our social media pages. If you're not subscribed, we would love it if you did. And if you know anyone working in the church who you think would benefit from this, so no matter what level they work at, whether they're ordained or lay volunteer staff, we'd love if you would share it with them just to say, hey, you know what? I think this episode would really be beneficial in planning your next event. Um, just to continue to get the word out. So it would it would mean a lot to us if you would did that, or if you would do that. Sorry, grammar is important. Thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely, Dan. So let's start with step one, locking on to the lost sheep. Now, Dan, literally billions of people you could choose from on earth, right, that you could approach. How do you recommend someone to go about deciding which sheep they might be called to go after? So the, the first thing would be thinking about why your ministry exists. So uh, at the, the parish level, you think broader because your audience is everyone who resides within your territory. But even that already narrows it quite a bit because it's so parishes have regions, they have boundaries, and it means you're not thinking of anybody beyond those boundaries. So once you know that's your flock, then you can begin to think, well, who are those people? What do you know about them? What age are they? Are they... 
um, what language they predominantly speak. And uh, I, there's several parishes, not several, there's probably parishes all over the country that would uh, say something like, well, we don't offer a mass in this language because we don't have anybody who asks for that. And it's, I think the approach should rather be, we know these people live in our community. These, we know people who speak this language live in our community. So we're going to offer that mass or we're going to offer this, this holy hour. We're going to offer this prayer service. We're going to offer this reflection in that language. And then we're going to hold it consistently for a period of time with the mentality of if you build it, they will come. And now the more focused your ministry gets, so now you're looking at a youth ministry or you're looking at a young adult ministry or you're looking at marriage preparation. Well, you think, what what do those people want? What are they looking for or what is likely to attract them? And so you would have a different style bulletin advertisement or a different social media advertisement. You would target a different audience with targeted social media ads based on those different groups that you are connecting with. Yeah, and Dan, you bring up a fantastic point about focus. So yes, if you're at a parish, you're really called to serve the people around your parish, right? It's easy to want to start to put things on social media and have all these people like it or comment or whatever. But if they're not from the flock you're charged to serve, you are wasting your time, folks. You need to be focused. And the beauty of the church is it's it's kind of territorial. You know, dioceses cover certain areas. Parishes cover certain areas. That's to give us focus so that we can focus on the needs of those locales. Now, so it might come from your geography. It might come from your job description, right? Obviously, if you're hired to be a youth minister or a, a pastor asks you on a volunteer basis to lead a certain ministry, that's really about your target group. And it might also come from discernment. You know, who are the people you think a lot about, you know, are you frustrated? You don't see a lot of other dads, or if you don't see a lot of moms at the, at the church. Well, um, like I had, uh, someone once really tell me is instead of complaining, you need to just do something about it. You might be the person called to serve them, to go reach them, you know, instead of waiting for someone else to do something. So, um, there's, there's a few different ways you might know who that, who those sheep are that you need to reach. But once you, know who you want to go after, you got to lock onto them and don't get distracted because it's very easy to get distracted in ministry or we try to pad our numbers maybe by trying to reach all these different categories. But guys, we're we're called to, to specific tasks within the vineyard of the Lord. And thinking about numbers, that makes me think of vanity metrics. So in, in social media, vanity metrics are things like clicks and likes um, that make us feel good. They give us that little... Uh, probably like a dopamine hit of saying like, Oh, Hey, good job. Keep it up. And they keep us looking back on that page and checking to see how many more people have liked or viewed. Uh, but those aren't, uh, those aren't indicative of anything and they're not, uh, they don't translate to success. And so the, you know, if the goal were just to get likes and views, that'd be great. But that does, that's not the goal because that doesn't actually indicate to us that the, the desired outcome has occurred. And that desired outcome is in most cases going to be greater involvement in the life of the church or people drawing closer to the Lord. That's really what we're looking at. And so as we consider our audience and our numbers, we should also take into account, what do we want to happen? What does success look like? So be very uh, detailed in describing a win. Uh, and you know, not in the sense of like, oh, we win because we, you know, we got one more person. It's not about that, but it's like, we rejoice when people come to know God. And so how do we help people come to know God? And are we like very laser focused on that's the goal. Such a great point, Dan. We cannot get caught up in the vanity. We need to remember that the only opinion that matters is God's, right? So someone 
might uh, say, oh, you didn't have that level of participation you should have had or, or, or whatever. If you are fulfilling the mission God has asked you to do and you're reaching the people you are called to reach, that is your calling. Okay, so we can't get caught up in vanity or comparison. It's it's the thief of joy, I've heard, that uh, comparison or envy is the thief of all joy. So let's move on to step two. Uh, and folks, I just want to remind you, this is actually another framework that's going to be in our book coming out December 8th. This is the second anchor framework for ministry. It's one of the foundational ones that you always need to keep in mind. So it kind of weaves into every aspect of ministry, but never forget who you're serving and building the right experience for them. So step two, once you know who you want to serve, build the right experience for them. By locking onto those lost sheep, you're going to be focused on them and get to know them, their needs, their wants, their pain points. And then you'll be able to build the right experience for them. And we're talking about the whole continuum from them first finding out about things that you're doing to the event itself or the outreach and afterwards and follow up. So Dan, what are some key moments where you need to really have the right experience? What would you say? So I would say the first one is the the way you are going to get your message in front of people. So if your goal is for people to come and to show up, you need to understand where can you find them and what does that message need to look like? How do you, how do you tailor it? And I'll back up here a little bit and say, we're not tailoring the gospel. We're not changing the gospel um, at all. What we're, we recognize is uh, different people. I mean, every individual person is going to be initially attracted to a different aspect of the faith. And so we're simply recognizing that groups of people will have characteristics that make them more interested or more approachable from a certain angle of the faith. And that's what we were trying to, to say here is we're not watering down the gospel. Uh, we're not saying like, oh, you know, we're only starting with this, but especially more when you're thinking like the advertising phase. Um, if the if your primary audience is young people, the bulletin's probably not the right spot. Um, so there's you got to find a way to get your message in front of them. And so the answer is probably for the foreseeable future, it's going to be what is the hottest social media platform at the time? Or what's the social media platform that your demographic is using? And that's not hard to find out. I mean, that's a, that's a simple Google search. What are the top five social media platforms that the that people of this age are using? And you'll see pretty quickly this percentage are on this one, this percentage are on this platform, this percentage on this. And so that's where you would put your messaging. And um, especially in, in terms of, of advertising dollars, I have found that it is, uh, you know, granted, if you're at a parish, then the bulletin is free uh, in, in one sense, but it's not free to print all the time. But dollar for dollar targeted social media ads are as cheap as they come because you're you're putting your advertisement in front of only the people who you need to see it not and not anyone else so you're not advertising a women's ministry to the men of the parish yeah and you know everything you just shared Dan makes me think again about the value of being focused right so if you do step one well and you know who you're going after it you get to really tailor an experience to that specific group. You don't waste your time thinking about the other people, you know, because that's someone else's job. You know, if God's called you to one task, you got to trust him to be taking care of something over there. You know, there's a there's a Bible verse at the end of the Gospel of John that I just love because um, Peter's asking about John. He's talking to Jesus and he says, what will happen to him after the resurrection? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Like, don't worry about, don't worry about John. 
I'm talking about you, Peter. You got to worry about you. And he says that to each of us. What is he asking us to do? So it's about the really importance of going deep and focusing on on a few and the people really need to go after. So um, one area I'd really like to highlight in building the right experience is that first phone call or that first email. Because folks, you know nowadays, it's it's it feels sometimes like it's harder than ever to get people to show up to stuff, right? It is. Well, when you get a bite, you're like fish, you get a bite, right? When they call the parish office or they call the ministry phone line, you want to make sure you're ready to handle that well. Um, I've heard so many sad stories, in my opinion, of people that went to a ministry fair, signed up at a booth, and never got a phone call, right? So you want to plan. You almost, you know, you want to think about who are the who might they call, who might they email, where might they be looking, and how are you going to relay that, you know, convert that request into a, a, a next step? Because if they call and they get frustrated or they call and leave a voicemail and no one calls them back, oh boy, what do you think the odds are they're going to call the church again or check out your retreat again? Slim, slim to none. So some of this might involve training other stakeholders. So say you work at a parish, you might want to have a little script for the parish secretary if they call and ask about marriage preparation, if that's your ministry. Or um, you might want to have a process if they're calling about planning a funeral, how to handle that phone call. And thinking about what are people going to be like at, at that moment if they're a bride busily looking for venues or if they're uh, someone that just lost their parents, how do you handle that phone call? So just just think about every interaction, really. Right, and I I really like thinking, okay, what is what's the tone or or what kind of message do we want this person to receive at their first interaction? Because that's going to stick with them. So for they're going to remember the yep. first time they walked up to engage in that parish. And we want that to be a good one. We only get one chance to make that first impression. So whether it's the website or whether it's a an email that you get or a phone call or it's the greeting that, that you get when you walk in. The So down here in, in Florida and, of course, throughout other parts of the country, there is an amazing chicken sandwich restaurant that has probably the best customer service in the country, at least as far as the chain goes. They're legendary for it. And they, they go so far as even the employees at this restaurant are not allowed to say you're welcome. So if I say thank you to one of these employees, do you know what they say? My pleasure. It's, it's my pleasure. So no matter how many times you ask, they have been trained to say my pleasure. And it's not the saying you're welcome is bad, but they want a consistent experience and they want everybody to have a positive experience there. And so if we take that same approach, so from the, the the front desk person who is your really your that's the face of the ministry and believe it or not that's the face of the catholic church to some people that they i mean i really mean that that's the face of jesus christ because they walk in and no matter what they're walking in for they're seeking jesus so whether they're seeking marriage or they're trying to enroll their children in faith formation and sacramental preparation or they want to sign up for something or they need help it could be very difficult for them to come in there and if we take that into consideration and try to make that the most welcoming, positive experience for them. They're going to remember that, and they're going to want to come back, and they're going to say, those are my people, and they took care of me. And it just increases the, the chances that more and more they will come back, and it, it builds trust as much as anything. So if we think, what is the first uh, threshold of discipleship? It's trust. It says, these people took enough of their time to find out what was important to me. They listened to me. 
and they greeted me with with kindness and with with manners and so i'm going to give them a second chance and if we don't do that we can't be surprised when they say no thanks i'm out of here Absolutely, Dan. And you you stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. You only get one shot at a first impression. And if someone hasn't been in the church for a long time, you get that one shot to reintroduce them to the faith. And if you blow it, <laughs> they might not be back again for a long time. So um, we, got, we got to take this all very seriously. And the last thing I want to kind of say on stage two of building the right experience is folks are looking for consistency. So don't, don't overpromise in your advertising. I think that's a pitfall we all fall into. Hey, I'm a natural kind of like salesman. You know, people have made fun of me for that before. And I have to watch it sometimes. You know, when I promote something, you have to promote what people are actually going to get because it's worse to, you know, over promise and then under deliver. What's better is, hey, this is what the event is going to be. It's going to be great, but don't use too many jazzy words if it's not really going to be all that in a bag of chips. Okay. Show the people what it is and what they can expect. And then the event they experience needs to match that. Okay, so the key of all this is consistency. And, and the thing that businesses get right and brands get right is folks, think now about people you have in your life, friendships that have lasted a long time. It is because of that uh, consistency, I would say, right? You hang around people that you know you can trust and you know you can count on them. It's same thing with the companies we choose. You know, we don't keep going back to a company that won't let us out of a contract that we don't want to be in. We don't keep coming back to a company that doesn't deliver the the sandwich I had ordered. We stop going, right? So same thing in the church. Um, we have to be consistent in, in what we give um, again and again and again. So um, let's let's move down now to the last phase, which is, hey, after that first contact, that first experience, in between experiences, interactions, you got to maintain relationship the right way. So Dan, what would you say about this step? What are some common pitfalls maybe in this area? I would say some of those would be falling off in communication and not uh, not following up with someone. So that's why it's important going into something that we don't just plan what we're going to do up until the event and then say, oh my goodness, I'm so happy I'm done. But to have follow-up planned well in advance and know What's that first message they're going to get? And then how many additional messages? And even maybe going so far as to, to write those out ahead of time so that it's simply just a click of a button to get in touch with people and uh, to let them know how they can stay involved and let them know. So, I mean, if we're thinking uh, something like youth ministry, this would be a calendar and making sure that they have an opportunity to plan ahead of time to be with us and that that calendar would go not only to the young people, but to their parents as well, because oftentimes their parents' calendar is going to dictate what they're doing. And then also thinking, what's the next step for them? How long are they going to be interested in this before they'll want to say, before they say, you know what, I want to go deeper in my faith. I want more out of this. And so it's, you know, I'm no longer just interested in perhaps a, um, a surface level uh, group, but something that goes deeper. And so that's an indication that person's ready to move further along in the path to discipleship. And so, if, if we don't have the time to do that, then perhaps we know someone who is, who could kind of be a mentor or that they could become apprentice to in that path of discipleship. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, there's three components that stick out about maintaining a relationship is first, don't overwhelm with the follow-up. By that, I mean, you know, you might want to give them, as my, as my friend said about presenting, 
you know, you don't have to give them, don't give them the whole book, right? So in that first contact after the event, you might be tempted to bombard them with, here's every single thing you can do to continue in your walk of discipleship. You can't give them the whole book all at once. So give them just enough, like cookie crumbs, right? Here's the next thing. Then a, a week or a few months later, here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. You know, pace it. Second is don't overdo it. Okay? So, hey, we all hate spam. I am literally amazed every day at new emails I get from companies thinking, how on earth are they get my email? I mean, I cannot keep up with them. I can't delete them. Don't be that in the, you know, we can't be that in the church. So keep, keep on it in a healthy pace. And then third, use a channel that makes sense. I've made the mistake of thinking everybody's on emails because I like using email. Guys, I'm finding, you know, with certain ministry leaders, I really, text just works best. So why would I, don't waste time with emails. So how do you know which, you know, so we're talking about, you know, not too much, the right pace and the right channels. How do you know what's right for your target? Well, if you did step one well, locking onto the lost sheep, you know, get to know them, you can even ask them, how would you like to keep up after the event? You know, tailor it around them and what what they want, not what's easy for you, because it's easy for me to send emails. I'm at a desk most of my day, but it's not about me. It's about them. And that's really what this whole this whole framework is all about is keep it about them, not about you. That's a, probably a good spot to end it. In everything we do, we keep it about them and not about us. And uh, another way of thinking about that is person-focused. We, we take a person-focused approach to ministry and just think, what does this person need right now? And we can, I think we can easily see that in the work of St. Paul and, of course, in Jesus. In, um, they didn't go to people with a, a preconceived notion of this is this is what this person needs. I'm going to tell them. But it was, it was an exchange and it was... Uh, you know, so if you think of Jesus and the woman at the well, he allowed her to tell that story. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, to, to wrap everything up, folks, uh, this is flock experience. We've taken CX or customer experience from the business world. And we've we've baptized it here for the church. So as you're uh, serving in the vineyard of the Lord, remember to first lock on to lost sheep, the ones you're called to serve. Second, build the right experience for them by understanding their needs once and as much as you can about them. And third, maintain relationship the right way. If you do these things, uh, we guarantee you will produce a harvest. And it's better for all of us to go deeper, not always wider. Amen. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining us. And we would love to hear from you what your thoughts are about some of these things, especially any challenges. And you think, well, how can I apply this? I, I get it in the abstract, but practically, what do we do? So we'd love for you to send us an email and say, hey, can you help walk me through this problem? So best way to reach us is uh, either go on Facebook and, and send us a message, or you can email us at beingandmakingdisciples at gmail.com. So thanks so much. God bless you all and look forward to the next time.